today on CityCast Madison. Gerrymandering is on trial in Wisconsin. The latest voting district maps drawn back in 2011 secured the Republican Party majorities we have today. Many Democratic voters, groups, and politicians feel cheated out of popular representation. But they're not the only aggrieved parties. A group of Wisconsin-based mathematicians and computer scientists are suing in our state Supreme Court, saying the maps are extreme partisan gerrymanders, mathematically. We sat down with UW-Madison math professor and author Jordan Ellenberg to learn how computing made our hyper-partisan districts possible. It's Monday, September 11th. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Bianca. So... Last month, a group of Wisconsin mathematicians and computer scientists filed a lawsuit with the Wisconsin Supreme Court, challenging the state's voting map, saying they unduly favor Republicans. To be clear, you're not one of those mathematicians, but why are the math and computer science worlds interested in this hot political issue? Yeah, so one reason is that it is a hot political issue, which lots of people are interested in. And I would love it if the mathematicians and scientists of the world would jump in whenever something was of political import and really mattered for the governance of our country. But I got to be honest with you, I think the reason the mathematicians have gotten interested in this issue out of all the hot political topics that there are is that this one is not only like a rich and important political problem. It's a pretty interesting math problem, too. Um, although here's what I always say about this, like it's not exactly a math problem because it's also political and legal and moral. Um, but it's not not a math problem. The mathematical aspects and the political aspects and the legal aspects are totally intertwined. And if you try to understand it without one of those pieces, um, you kind of get bad outcomes and bad answers. And if I'm going to be honest, that is sort of a lot of what the history of this issue is, because I think people have tried to work it out, lawyers and judges and political advocates have tried to work this out purely as a matter, matter of legal thinking without doing anything quantitative. And that is where you get yourself into a bit of a mess. Sure. And to be fair, there are also there's also a history of math people being like, why do we have to think about the law or politics or people? Why can't we just draw some nice squares across the states <laughs> or draw what's called a Voronoi diagram or all manner of completely abstract mathematical constructions that ignore the political realities. And, and and that's just as bad. I mean, I think what you need is a marriage of the math and the law and the politics. And I'm happy to say that I think that's what we've been seeing in the last like 10 years or so as people have really worked on this. It's beautiful. Applied mathematics. It's what people, you know, in their <laughs> high school classes, when am I going to use this? Well, all of these things are intertwining. And I love that we can't get the right answers by neglecting any of the spheres. You are very steeped in this, in the mathematics of gerrymandering. Give us the basics of how this works today. How do you know if a voting map is gerrymandered? Yeah. So first of all, to start with what gerrymandering is, I mean, this is one of these things where once you get into it, every state is different and has different laws, different constitutions, uh, different governing systems. But fundamentally, somebody is deciding how the state of Wisconsin is divided up into 99 assembly districts. And I think for a long time, politically, people didn't think very hard about that because it didn't 
seem very important. But we understand now that by choosing where those district lines are, you can have an absolutely massive influence over who's actually seated in the Assembly, in the Senate, uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives, for instance. I mean, in Wisconsin, we've especially been talking about those assembly lines. You know, if you have a district where you absolutely know you're going to win, looks like your party has like 65 percent of the voters there. You are definitely going to win that race. And, but maybe there's a district next door where it's pretty close to 50-50. Well, it's very tempting to say, well, let me just shift this line a little bit over this way. Y'all can't see on the radio, but I'm making like a little moving the line motion that you have to imagine me doing. Let me take some of those folks who I know are reliable voters for my party, because I know exactly where they live. Remember, I've got really good maps. Like I know exactly where their houses are. And let me move those over into the 50-50 district to shade it a little bit towards me to give me a little bit of a nudge. Isn't this a, a big part, too, of why it's so contentious, such a big deal in Wisconsin is because we have so many close districts. And so the little things do matter. Yeah, exactly. We're not talking about gerrymandering very much in Massachusetts, right? Because we sort of know who's going to hold a majority of the state legislature in Massachusetts. We're not talking about gerrymandering in Wyoming. We're talking about gerrymandering mostly in states where who controls the legislative balance of power uh, is really in doubt based on who lives in that state. And obviously, as I think everybody who lives here knows, if they've been awake any time in the last 10 years, uh, Wisconsin is very much a state at the fulcrum where political power is truly contested between two parties with very different visions, which is the way it's supposed to be, right? There's right. supposed to be like a real contest of competing political visions. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that in many ways, that robust contest we're supposed to have has been blocked. It's funny that people aren't really talking about gerrymandering in Massachusetts anymore, because that's where the term was coined. Oh, good point. Yeah. But as you mentioned, like our innovations in technology and mathematics now changing the way we draw our legislative maps today. Absolutely. And I think there's two big reasons why this is a hotter topic and a bigger issue now than it has been through most of American history. And one of them, you know, I talked to somebody who was involved in this process in the 80s, and he told me that, you know, people always did it, but it used to be they'd roll out this gigantic map of Wisconsin on a huge wooden table, you know, in, in the chambers in the Capitol. And then they'd have a pencil and they'd be like, oh, I think this town is a little more Democratic. This one's a little more Republican. Maybe it was sort of an artisanal process, right? Now, you can actually see in the legal depositions that this is actually what happened. You'll have people in a locked room just running through 10,000, 100,000 possible maps being like, which one of these is absolutely the most advantageous to my party? So it's kind of supercharged, right? The fact that we can like run through all these hypotheticals incredibly fast and not have a dude with a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> trying six things um, makes gerrymandering much more powerful. The, that's that's one feature. The other feature is that, uh, you know, I think most people, unfortunately, voters have gotten a lot more predictable, right? Politics has become much more nationalized. So it wasn't always the case. If you go back to like 1970, 1980, you couldn't look at a single ward in a single city and be like, I pretty much know that ward's going to be 60% Republican or that ward's going to be 75% Democratic. Um, because so much has crystallized and polarized around these two national parties. We have many more, even though the state is purple, individual, individual voters are often not. More like consistent. They're, they're much, we're much more predictable than we used to be. That's right, much more consistent up and down the ticket. Not not entirely. Obviously, we know there's like, there were lots of Scott Walker, Tammy Baldwin voters and like people outside Wisconsin were like, 
how can it be? But you know, I mean, that still happens. But it's a pretty it, it's a pretty small slice of the electorate, right? Right? The Evers, the, the Tony Evers, Ron Johnson voters, they're there. You can see it in the numbers. <laughs> right. It's March, folks. And in case you forgot, we live in Wisconsin. Although it's been an unusually warm winter, we can't guarantee we won't get more storms with challenging road conditions. Attorney Z. Usman with Usman Law wants to remind you of some of the winter rules of the road to help keep you safe. So remember, accelerate and decelerate slowly. Don't follow any car too closely. Avoid using cruise control, steer in the direction of a skid, and don't stop when going up a hill. If you are in an accident, call attorney Z. Usman. He's handled hundreds of insurance claims and can ensure you get everything you are owed. There are no upfront costs and no fee unless he is successful. Also, pro tip, don't negotiate with the insurance company on your own. Go visit madisonaccidentlawyer.com to schedule a free call with attorney Usman. We were talking about Massachusetts and where the term gerrymandering came from, and it came from a district looking like a salamander. Um, is Now with the use of computers, is a district shaped still an indicator that it might be a gerrymandered district? So... Unfortunately, no. And I say unfortunately because it would be a lot easier to see gerrymandering if it came down to the districts having funny shapes. It's funny because my my book where I wrote a ton about this is actually called Shape. Right. But the sad truth about gerrymandering is that now with our abilities to do these computations and optimize, if you tell your algorithm, I want to maximize my advantage, you can do that. And if you say, I want to maximize my advantage, but also have districts that look nice and don't look weird, you can do that too. And that's what we have in Wisconsin. If you look at the Wisconsin maps, they don't actually look that weird. Aesthetic gerrymandering. Right? It's like sort of like putting like a nice coat of foundation over the blemishes in the map. And it um and it ends up looking quite nice. But nonetheless, it's absolutely precision engineered to favor Republicans. And by the way, I want to emphasize this is not a partisan issue. In Wisconsin, it is definitely a map precision engineered in favor of Republicans. But there are other states in which it goes the other way. Maryland is the case that went before the Supreme Court, my home state, actually, where I came from, where that map is, the the U.S. House map is absolutely gerrymandered to hell in favor of Democrats. So both parties do it when they get the chance. Um, And I think what's tough in Wisconsin is we have a setup where the people making those decisions about where the lines are drawn are the legislative majority, or or rather, well, here's the issue. They, they are proposing a map. The governor who's elected by the whole state has the right to veto it, at least in principle. But that's exactly uh, the conundrum before the Supreme Court. I mean, historically, what had ha- always happened in Wisconsin is if a map is proposed by the legislature and it's just too gross, it's just too gerrymandered, like the governor can veto it. And then the whole thing gets punted to the court and a judge somewhere draws a map. Now, this time, the Supreme Court did something different. And they sort of said, we're just going to go over the governor's head and say that veto essentially doesn't count. And we're going to go with the legislature's map. That's a big change. If that is the, is, is the scenario that the legislature can just enact a map over the governor's veto, that really leaves the majority of the population of the Wisconsin without any check on the legislative majority's power. That seems problematic. Yeah. And you cite a report from Princeton where they had a computer generate a million maps. 
or a million potential assembly maps for Wisconsin. And out of the million maps made, only 39 were as GOP skewed as the maps that we adopted. Um, the one that you're saying that the Supreme Court granted, the ones we got. And none were more so. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, so this is where things get really interesting because obviously we're going to sort of talk about what is a fair map? What does it mean for the representatives to be representative? And that's definitely not purely a math question, right? It's a pretty complicated one. And one thing to be absolutely clear that it doesn't mean is it doesn't mean that the percentage of legislators from a certain party should be equal to the percentage of voters who voted for that party. That's a system called proportional representation. It's a system. Some com- some countries have it. Like we do not. That's not the U.S. system, right? Mm-hmm. We have this system of representation by district, which is totally different. So again, if you go to Wyoming, I don't have these numbers in front of me, but Wyoming is a pretty Republican state, right? That means what? Like maybe two thirds of the people, sixty five percent, are Republicans. But their state legislature has like you know forty Republicans and three Democrats or something. I don't remember the exact numbers, but the point is that's not because of gerrymandering. That's because that's actually rather naturally what happened. In a two-thirds Republican state, you're just not going to have very many districts with a Democratic majority. That's just too far off. That's why this is the hottest issue in a state like Wisconsin, where the popular vote is close to 50-50, and you really gonna are going to have, at least in principle, a decent number of competitive districts. The, que- the thing we're going for is not proportional representation. It's something more subtle. It's something like we'd like to say, what if Wisconsin had a system where those lines were drawn not by a group of legislators or consultants hired by the legislator whose only goal is to increase the power of their party. What if we had a system where some more uh, more neutral party was drawing the lines? Like, for instance, in Iowa, you know, where a bunch of retired judges, a panel of retired judges draws the line, or in Michigan, where there's a citizens panel um, who draws the lines. And you may say, like, well, how would we know that? And the answer is, this is where computation comes to the rescue, right? Yeah, and I want to get into the into that more about the computational maps and how that's working and how it might work, right? I also wanted to ask about the idea of like, is it possible that we, the voters, could gerrymander ourselves by where we choose to live? Well, that's one of the arguments, right, um, from the GOP's point of view about the maps. They're saying, hey, you guys actually chose <laughs> to where you're living and you're you're living in these in Dane County and Milwaukee County in these areas really highly condensed. And that's that's kind of on you. But here's the thing, Bianca, that I think that phenomenon, I think, does impart a certain amount of geographic advantage to Republicans in this state in an environment. If, like, if the popular, in other words, I would say if we had fair maps in Wisconsin, if we had maps that were drawn by a panel of citizens, by retired judges or in whatever other fashion, other than the first slug under fashion that we have now. Um, and we were in an environment where the state voted exactly 50-50 Democrats and Republicans. I think we actually would be very likely to have a Republican majority in the assembly, but not as big of a majority as they have now and not as certain. What's, a, what's sort of ironic about this is that if we had fair maps in Wisconsin, Republicans would probably still win the assembly most of the time, largely because of that. But they would have to fight for it. Look, everybody wants to have a job where they don't have to work too hard. I get it. I get why Robin Voss doesn't want to have to work too hard to remain majority leader instead of minority leader. If I were him, I would do like he has his job. I have my job. I mean, I just want to say, like, I think a question that is very hot right now, and you'll see it discussed in the news, is, you know, this issue about the maps being rigged. Is it biased to say the maps are rigged? Are you sort of prejudging the case if you say the maps are rigged? I want to emphasize, now I'm not a lawyer, 
So I'm going to talk out of school a little bit here. But the legal issue before the Supreme Court of Wisconsin, just as was the legal issue before the U.S. Supreme Court, is not whether the maps are rigged. They are rigged. Everybody agrees on that. And you can see, I mean, Robin Voss will say in testimony, like, yeah, we drew these maps to win. A, a big motivation for us was political advantage. The question is whether it's legal to rig the maps. That's that's a legal question. That's not a math question. But I think the math question of whether the maps are rigged to deliver advantage to one party, that question is settled. They are. Everybody agrees on it. The only question is whether it's legal for them to do so. Got it. Well, do you think the kind of technology and mathematical precision that was used to create these hyperpartisan maps back in 2010 and in 2020 could be used to create voting maps that are truly representative of the Wisconsin electorate? That's a good question. A, a deep one. This is a five hour podcast, right? That's how long my answer's been. No, I'm not going to do um, You better believe it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, so what I'd say about that, a few things. One, there are some mathematicians who would say like, yeah, we should have a computer draw the maps. I'm not one of them. I think that it is a political process and it's just not going to be politically acceptable to voters. And it honestly, I don't think it would be politically acceptable to me to sort of be like the algorithm's going to draw the maps. And we're all going to accept it. I think people want to feel like that people chose the maps. And I think that's a very reasonable thing to want. Like, Can the computers be impartial? That's what would be my concern. Yeah, but I think we're, I think we're in a moment where the word impartial, we're learning just how complicated it is because you say that, but do you want to do you want an impartial computer deciding whether you get a loan for your house? Do you want an impartial computer deciding whether you get paroled if you're in prison, right? I mean, I think there's reasons. There's a, there's a sort of human accountability that I think people really crave. Totally. So I, I'm not I'm not saying I have the answers to these questions. I'm just saying I'm being a professor about this. I'm being like, well, it's complicated. That's what we that's what we say, right? No, I love that. Yeah, I, we, we're fleshing it out. We don't always have to have the fix. Like part of it is talking about what's on deck, what's possible. But I think what the computers really can do is sort of show you a sort of snapshot of the world of possible maps. That's where I think they really shine, right? Like um, I, what I always say is like, there's no way to sort of define and agree on what's fair. Like we're not going to all agree, okay, this map is the fairest map, but we can all agree on like what's unfair. And I think I think every single metric we can imagine using classifies the map we have now as, as unfair. So, you know, we're not going to get to some realm of absolute perfection. But I think we can use computation to really call out the absolute worst offenders. And I'm sorry to say that the Wisconsin assembly map we have now is uh, is among them. Well, Jordan, we so appreciate your time. We're going to do a midnight podcast about the five hours and dive deep into the mathematical question we left on the table. Um, we appreciate you so much. I love it. Thank you. Thanks, Bianca. This was fun. That's Jordan Ellenberg, professor of mathematics at UW-Madison. He is author of several books, including How Not to Be Wrong, The Power of Mathematical Thinking, and Shape, The Hidden Geometry of Information, Biology, Strategy, Democracy, and Everything Else. And here's what else Madison's talking about. Pet pigs. There's an update on Rudy the Pig, a pet who's been called the mayor of the Southwest bike path. Rudy's one step closer to becoming legal. After initially citing the law-breaking pig, the Board of Health for Madison and Dane County is now supporting an ordinance change that would allow for pigs as pets. 
Madison City Council will weigh in next week. Goes to show, sometimes you do throw pearls at swine. And this Wednesday night, there's a fun looking nerd night at High Noon Saloon. That's gonna feature one of our former guests on this show, Guinness World Record winner, Gabriella Gerhardt's gonna talk about how you can find a four leaf clover. And there'll be other topics like Velo machines and women's wrestling. If that sounds interesting to you, check out our show notes for a link. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this episode with someone you know who loves maps or Zelda? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Ciao.